extraordinary covenant for us to host Harold Wine and to be part of the launching of his most uh, recent Sefer on Yamam Neiran, which will be available outside after the lecture. And uh, for us, it's uh, enormously exciting to launch our introspection and our preparation over the course of Elo with the presence and the words of Herb Wine. On Shabbos, I uh, told a vignette of Rabbi Rucham, who uh, came back to the beginning of Elo after spending some time in one of the great spas in Europe. And I mentioned that uh, he came and he opened his uh, shmuz in the yeshiva by saying he was visiting the spa. People come from all over the world to visit the spa. People, when they come to the spa, they, they become refreshed and they walk away with uh, greater insight and greater understanding. But he said that one of the most uh, inspiring moments was when he got to the hotel and he was in the lobby. They mentioned in Shabbos that he overheard people who were visiting the spa and they said, you know, let's not unpack our bags. Let's not uh, waste any time. We can do that later on. Right now, we still have a few hours where we can uh, enjoy the spa. So that's how I feel in introducing Rev. Wine. Let's not uh, spend time unpacking. We all came here because uh, we've been inspired by his words, by his writings, and we're very grateful that he's spending time this evening with us as we begin our El of Tovshin Pebe. pleasure of being in this synagogue uh, a number of times before, and uh, I always find it a place of inspiration and serenity. Most synagogues uh, are not places of serenity, but it's a testimony to the Murda Asra and to the membership some of whom also passed through me in Muncie, of the fact that this is such a wonderful congregation and an exemplary one, and really sets a model of what a Beit Knesset, a Beit Medrash, a Beit Tefillah should be. So I wish to extend to you a my best wishing for a Ktiva Khtima Tova, a good year for all of us in Kalam Yisrael. We never know what the future is, but we pray that Oela Tova will certainly grant us a Shana Tova. I uh, 
been thinking, which is a bad habit, but I've been thinking for a number of years about writing a small book about Malchiot, Zichonot, and Shofot. The uh, Musaf Shon Esri, according to our custom, is based upon the Tkiyata de Beirav. Rav had a yeshiva in Sura in the 3rd century. Rav, whose real name is Abba, Abba Aricha, he was called, he was tall. Rav is one of the pillars of the Talmud. And uh, Rav attempted to uh, establish himself, he was from the... uh, Yeshiva of Amenu HaKadosh in Eretz Yisrael. And when Rebbe died and Rebbe Yudon became the head, he attempted to leave and go to Bovel to found the Yeshiva. And he was unsuccessful. Chazal tell us, didn't go. So he went back to Eretz Yisrael. And he was not a young man anymore. And in Eretz he also uh, didn't find it was then a difficult time. Uh, the Byzantine Christians were rising. Uh, the Jewish community in the land of Israel was diminishing. The long exile was beginning. So he returned to Bovel. And he came to uh, the city of Nardoa. Nardoa was a city on the Euphrates. And uh, Nardoa, there was a great Talmud Chochem and a Rosh Yeshiva called Shmuel. It was called Mar Shmuel, Mr. Shmuel. Because according to the Talmud, he never had smicha. The Talmud does not pass out compliments. So if he didn't have smicha, he's not Rav Shmuel, he's Mr. Shmuel. I'm reminded of Mr. Mendelowitz at Torvadas. When I moved to Muncie, shortly after the American Civil War, (laughs) so the Bell Telephone Company of New York, of blessed memory, extended a 25% discount on the telephone to everyone who was clergy. So the Muncie telephone book was full of rabbis. (laughs) The plumber, the electrician, the butcher, everybody was rabbi. So to distinguish myself, I just put in barrel wine. And then they said, you must be a rabbi. So he was Bar Shmuel, Mr. Shmuel. But he had a yeshiva in Ardor, a famous yeshiva. And it was like two whales in a small pond. There isn't always room. So Rav moved on, and he moved to Sura, which is a city across the river towards the Tigris. Sura was an ancient Jewish community. It had a yeshiva that was founded by the prophet Yechezko before the Bayesheni, the first exile. 
according to many sources, the yeshiva and surah uh, existed for uh, over a thousand years until uh, Bovell moved to uh, North Africa and Spain. I used to remark uh, that it uh, existed over a thousand years. The response always was, my, what a deficit they must have had. But Sura became the leading yeshiva in Bovell under Rav. Nicomara said it was the biggest yeshiva. It had 1,200 students. That's about the size of Rabbi Osher Arieli's shir in the mirror today. We don't realize what a time we live in. 1,200 students was the biggest yeshiva in Bovell where the Talmud Bavli was created. And we talk in numbers of thousands, tens of thousands. So the Rabboni Shalom does great things for us, and he does them in a way that we don't notice. Because if we really noticed, we would be unable to function. If we really thought about the state of Israel, for instance. So a hundred years ago, a bunch of shoemakers came from Eastern Europe and made a state, started the state. Today there are 7 million Jews in Eretz Israel. Probably the largest Jewish population in the land of Israel in our history. There are 900,000 Jews in Yerushalayim. They're all at the same stoplight. <laughs> when did we ever... Nanavi Yechesko says, Ketson Yerushalayim B'Moadeo. There'll be a time that will be as numerous as the sheep that were brought on the Yontiv to the Beit HaMikdash. Still an unfinished process and there are plenty of problems. But if we look at it with perspective, we have to stand back and say, uh, wow, how did this happen? And that is part of the idea that the Yom Maroyim come, I think, to grant us is the power of perspective, to see things. We read in this week's Parsha, Re'eh Anochi, look, see. Most of the time people don't see. So uh, I thought about uh, Malchios, Echonos, and Shofros, which is the Musaf that was composed in the yeshiva of Rav for the blowing of the shofar, Tkios the Muma, that we have until today. And I thought to myself, each section has ten verses, four from the Torah, three from the V, and three from Ksuvim. 
the three from Ksuvim are in the middle. Three from Nevi'im are at the end, and there's the fourth Posik of uh, Torah at the end. Why, what, what do this Psukim teach us? Why these Psukim? So the first idea that is obvious to all is that Psukim from the Torah and the Vim and Ksuvim are not talking about past events solely. They're current events. They're meant to teach us something about us. Zeh Sefer Toldos Odom. This is the book of human beings, of human nature. Human nature hasn't changed much since the Garden of Eden. We didn't have all these toys to play with perhaps then. But people are people. With all the grandeur and all the failings that accompany each and every one of us. And the Torah came to give us perspective. Perspective upon ourselves. Perspective upon society. Perspective upon the world came to give us a a vision of the future, but always looking through the prism of the past. In our time, I think one of the things that is really lacking for many Jews, and I'm talking about Unzera Menschen, I'm not, uh, unfortunately, the other ones have... uh, I don't want to write off any Jew, but uh, I don't think there's much left to be done with that. Whether we like it or not, we are cloud Yisrael. This is it. So we like to think, you know, there's four million or five million, there's the federations, there's this, there's that. That's not it. This is it. Here we are. And if you see yourself in that light, then you have a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, a sense of perspective. The basic question that all human beings ask themselves is, who am I? What am I I doing here? The Ramchal begins the Mesilas Yeshorim by saying, What are we doing here? You don't see that question asked in the New York Times. And to a certain extent, without being critical of others, God forbid, but it's not asked often in Jewish education as well. We concentrate on knowledge, on knowing a lot, and you cannot be a Jew if you're ignorant, that's for sure. And Marbe Torah, Marbe Chochma. But my Rebbe used to say, he used to say in his beloved Litvish English, Boys, in back of the Shulchan Aruch is the Rebbe Shalev. 
That's eventually who you have to deal with. And that's a sense of perspective. Because then we know, we've made me out to all made. Who are we responsible to? So I'm responsible to my boss. I'm responsible to the government. I'm responsible to my family. But ultimately, who are we responsible to? That sense of perspective lies in Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. That was the purpose, I believe, why uh, those psukim were chosen and why the order of the Musaf was so ordained and organized because it gives us a sense of perspective. So you didn't come here for a long lecture and I'm not up to a long lecture anymore. It just feels long. <laughs> but uh, I want to point out a few things that I think are uh, essential to understanding the Yom Minarayim. Malchius, we are far away from royalty. We wish the Queen of England good health in her 95th year, uh, but she doesn't press the button. They don't give her the atomic secrets. It's symbol. Still is an important symbol. Chazal said that one should always witness, if possible, royalty so that one would have an understanding of what royalty in heaven looks like. But we don't have that. And uh, since we are all so democratic that... Uh, most of us would not have any of our leaders to dinner in our home. So the whole sense of Malchus is absent. The Torah wanted us to have a sense of Malchus, a sense of royalty, of majesty, of grandeur. That's why the world is so magnificent. That's why we have the Grand Canyon and the Pacific Ocean. Why we have sunsets and sunrises. Why you put a seed in the ground and a tree grows from it. That's to give you a sense of the grandeur that is involved. And therefore nothing should be taken for granted because everything is grand. Everything is royalty. Everything is God's world. The psukim that we recite refer to the royalty of God over the people of Israel. That's the sense of royalty. 
I'm here at the beginning, I'm here at the end, I've seen it all. Melech Yisrael. I'm the king of Israel. The king of the Jewish people. So the Novi said, Ani Hashem Shonisi. I, the Lord, have never changed. And the proof of it is, Yisrael You, the children of Israel, are still here. You mean there's still Jews in the world after everything? There was a woman in Muncie who was a survivor. And uh, then she had a a family in America. They were successful. She always used to talk to me. And uh, she said to me, she wants to go back to Poland to see her town, see her house. I never interfere with people's plans. It's not in the rabbinic contract. I think most rabbis are successful by staying out of problems. But she was so insistent, I said to her, it's not so important and what, what would you have now and concentrate on now and what the, no, I want to see, I want to go. Okay, so she went. She came back after two weeks, three weeks, and I met her, and I said, uh, Mrs. So-and-so, how was your trip? She said, I should have listened to you. Should never have gone. I said, what happened? She said, well, I went into my old house, which still stands, except my Polish neighbor is living in it. And my Polish neighbor took one look at me and said, Bella, you're still alive? So I should never have gone. But that's the perspective. We're still alive. There's nothing else but me. You have to deal with me. And you're an eternal people. And you cannot escape. And therefore, Melech Yisrael is the God of Israel. The King of Israel. The Royal House. So every Jew should feel that he is related to the royal family. He's royalty. Most people don't feel that way. So if you don't feel that way, you aren't. My Rebbe used to begin every morning this year. He said, boy, First, we're going to say, Ashrenu matov chelkenu manoim goraleinu mayofu yerushaseinu. Ashrenu shanachnu mashkimim umarivim erev avoker. Vomrim pamayim b'chol yom shma Yisrael Hashem alakenu Hashem echod. Now we can sit and learn. 
if you don't feel Ashrenu, the learning is not going to go anywhere. If you don't feel fortunate to be a Jew, he's a mazal. Make a brook in the morning. Shalom Asani. Now that's royalty. That's a vision. That's a perspective. The one that I really was felt moved by was Zichronos. It's interesting. Rosh Hashanah is called Yom HaZikaron. Why is it called Yom Adin? Why is it called Rosh Hashanah? In the Trilos it doesn't appear except for Yom HaZikaron. The day of remembrance. The day of remembering. Beginning of the year, why should we remember? We want to look forward. Happy New Year. Chazal wanted to impress upon us not only knowledge of the past and appreciation of the past, but the importance of memory. And we know the importance of memory on an individual basis. The person that loses that side, the person isn't there anymore. No person there. It's so important that we talk about computers in terms of memory. How much memory does it have? So memory is a tricky thing. It's oftentimes selective. It's oftentimes erroneous. But more than anything, oftentimes it is not present at all. You stop the average Jew in the United States today and ask him, who was your great-grandfather? He will not be able to answer it. Where did he come from? How did he behave? What were his values? So we put the great emphasis on memory. We have memorial prayers, Yisker, we want to remember. It's interesting, the whole uh, monument business in the cemeteries is only based on memory. At least that the stone remembers that there was someone here. And we say in our prayers, you remember everything. Amon Brio saying, Kate's billions and trillions of creatures. And your memory is unfailing. So we aspire to memory. That should be a subject in our schools. Remember, Moshe commanded us, Chor Yemos Olam, 
Remember, the, the Sidurim after Shacharis, before we run out of shul, there are six things to remember. The problem with Shabbos, again in the United States for many Jews, is not that they're not observant, they don't even remember that there's a Shabbos. It's not Shomor, it's, there's no Zohar anymore. In Israel, Baruch Hashem, no matter what, there's Zohar. So that is a powerful lesson. And what do we remember? So there's the famous passage from Yirmiya Psukim that the Rebbeinu remembers Lechte Chacharai Bamidbor Beretz Lo I remember you took a chance on me. You went into a trackless desert. You relied on me. I remember that. The Lord remembers that, so then we have something to say to him. We say to him, you know, my Zeta remembered you. Okay, so then you're in the ball game. I remember a fry I remember a child at play. Kimire Dabribo, the moment I talk about him, Zohar Eskeren Road, I remember him. We all remember that way. We all remember our children at play. That's what binds us. So when we say Zichronos, we also remember the Akedo, which is the supreme memory. Remember what happened to us. So we live in a world where museums have to preserve what happened to us. And it's obvious that they alone cannot succeed. I have a colleague, a dear friend of mine, who's uh, a in a certain city that has a famous Holocaust museum. He told me that they had, uh, no, 200 or 300,000 uh, elementary students, elementary school students visit the museum over the year. But he said most of them were for non-Jewish schools. Jews don't uh, participate in museums. Doesn't do it for us. The Ravoni Shalom promised us Zohar Eskerenu Ode. I remember Yitzhak, I remember everything. If you remember, so then it's a different world.
my experience, Baruch Hashem, the Lord has granted me age. So a lot of people come over to me and say, you know, do you remember my grandfather? Do you remember in Chicago and Miami and Muncie and New York? important to them that I should remember because then I have a relationship with them as well so we have Zichronos and that's the bracha that we make covenant remember it And Shofros, which deals with the resonance of sound. So sound is something ethereal. You can't grasp it. You know, the Shofro you can hold, but it's not the Shofro. It's the sound. The Shofro is a keli. It's a utensil, a tool. But there's a sound that emanates from it. You want to hear Moshe Rabbeinu? Say so we sell tickets, a speech by Moshe Rabbeinu. I imagine it could be a sellout. So you want to hear it? Hear it, chauffeur. Just listen to the chauffeur. The chauffeur is Moshe. Moshe Yadaber. And the Rabbi Shalom Kaviyochel responds, Ola Alekim Bisrua Hashem Bekol Shofar. The Rabbi Shalom also has a shofar. He also hears the sound. Chazal teach us the famous idea that the ram that was sacrificed instead of Yitzchak at the Akedah had two horns. One horn was the chauffeur of Sinai and the other horn will be the chauffeur of the Mashiach. That's the past and the future in one sound. To hear the great sound, to hear Moshe Yadavir, Chazal wanted us to feel that. And those are the psukim of Shofros. So I feel that uh, if we know these 30 psukim, we have some insight into it. Uh, our Rosh Hashanah can be better, more inspiring, more knowledgeable, give us a better sense of perspective so that it truly will become the holiday that it's supposed to be, the greatness of it. Echol mashmanim shesei mamtakim kikodosh hayom ladoneinu. That perspective 
that initial view of life that should remain with us throughout the entire year represents the basis for Rosh Hashanah and the basis for all that accompanies it with our customs and prayers with our families and communities. So again, I wish a great and good year to everyone here. I hope that building finally gets built. And I hope you'll be able to pay for it. And I hope you'll pick it up and move it when the time comes. And I hope that we'll always hear good news from another. And it'll be a good and great year. Amen.